Hello, listeners. It's truly our pleasure to have you join us for this weekly segment of our program called Hearer Voices from the People Who Bring You ICU Talks. Today, we'll take a few minutes to revisit the messages from our most recent event and dig a little deeper into the content and meaning of what we heard. So now, it's our great pleasure to begin this episode of Hear Voices. We hope you enjoy it. Well, welcome, listeners. Well, hello. This is Dan Bruzek coming at you, along with... Hey, this is Kim Honeycutt. So glad to be here with all of y'all. And thank y'all for listening, being a part of our podcast, Hear Voices. Yeah, love to have you. Yeah, how cool is that? So most of you know who we are. We are a mental health speaking ministry that will continue to do what we're doing in different avenues until people stop shaming people for having mental illness. Yes. Until we end the stigma, this is what we're going to do. Completely agree. Yeah. So today, Dan, we have the absolute privilege of having someone with us who is a straight talker. People say I'm direct. You probably get that a lot, right? That you're candid. <laughs> Time or two. Yes. <laughs> yeah, once or twice before the age of two days, right? So, uh, but my girl, Suzanne, she, uh, she can tell it like it is, but she also can do it in a way people can actually hear her. Yeah, and that's why you've been invited back about, what is it, 14, 15,000 times now? Right. Five times. About that, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. So y'all just heard the voice of Suzanne. I'll let her introduce herself. So rock on, sister. Go ahead. Hi. Oh, my God. It's such a pleasure to be here hearing voices. Hear right. voices. I could just imagine how Kim came up with that name. But <laughs> I am Suzanne Stroud. I am an avid ICU talker. I'm a wife, a mother, an author myself, and the 2017 TEDx speaker. Kim and I both share that we did. that banner, so was, we're so proud of that. Amen to that. We are Absolutely. so proud of that. Yeah, and I see that you you brought your husband with you today. What's I, up? What? I did. I but, felt but he's like, in the hey, remote boo, corner, though. Hey, so. I, I was I badgered her. on Tuesday <laughs> night, so I said, well, come along with me and we can get, get it out of Kim's system for 2019. Right. Yeah, right. Is there a reason you're asking about that, Kim? Well, I'm just saying, like, mm-hmm. Suzanne was our keynote speaker this Tuesday, and so we had this amazing topic of that he's got you no matter what, God has you no matter what you go through, and, and we were about to, like, pray before the event started, and we were like, I'm telling you, we were lit. Every person in that prayer circle was just on fire, and then all of a sudden I was like, Suzanne, was your husband? <laughs> <laughs> Because I like looking at him. Hey, he's here today. So she, she's the one that brought him here. You know how I am. I know. I had what? to get, let, it, let her get it out of her system. That's right. So I'm getting out of my system today. Awesome. So, so those of you who don't know me, just know that I would never, ever commit adultery or do anything like that. I do like to uplift people's spirits by letting them know that they have a beautiful spirit. So he seems he uplifted he's at this a, time. So. Yes, he's a good guy. He's sitting up straight. You guys so are dressed similarly guy. too. We did notice that. We hugged nice. that out. We and hugged uh, that out. Well, we're we're striped. Just I yeah. think we just lost like five listeners just for this okay. little banter we just did. Not you, me. So <laughs> they were like, they can't be Christian. They're just hitting on a married. They're man. still they hanging in there with you. They're still hanging in there. Yes. I'm going. I'm calling somebody. I don't know who I'm calling somebody about this Kim Honeycutt. So <laughs> anyway, uh, so if if you were there. Tuesday night, and you want to hear more about Suzanne's life, you're in the right place. If you were not and have not gone backwards in, in our order or in, in that we do our podcast and didn't hear her exceptional keynote talk, I'm going to ask Suzanne to kind of give us a one or two sentence and kind of give us a summation. 
Well, you know, that night I, I stood on that stage and I, I was like, where am I going to go with this? Because my entire goal was to make sure that I still allowed people to experience Christ and at the same time to understand the purpose of ICU Talks. And I came from the scripture of Hebrew 11.1. 1. You know, we always talk about now faith is the substance of, but I think we, we lose sight of, you know, evidence of things not seen. And that was what I wanted to focus on, because if we focus on the evidence of what we don't see, then we're focused on where we're going and what it, what it is that we're trying to do and what God has for us. And we don't get caught up in the now of confusion, fear, doubt, and all that other stuff. Ugh, I'm telling you, every time you say that about evidence not seen, I can feel the Holy Spirit because I just... I, I think there's certain scriptures that we have heard so repetitiously mm-hmm. that it, we don't we don't look at it in a different way. We don't hear the value and the beauty that's inside of it. And that's what you just did. Like you just, the, the way you talked about the evidence, mm-hmm. evidence, there's so much evidence of how beautiful God is, how he does show up for us, that he does have us. But you said it in such a unique, humorous, serious, <laughs> get in my face, I kill you kind of way. <laughs> I always try. To, I always try to add humor because I think, for the most part, yes, I'm very serious about Christ. I'm very serious about my my walk with Christ and you know what He's done and what He chooses not to do in my life. But mm. you know, you have to kind of be able to reach people at all points. So you have to have a moment of being serious and you and, and you have to have humor because I think people remember humor a lot more than they remember. You know, anything easier else. To relate it's to, easier too. to relate yeah. to because it gives them a more of a relaxed moment. Mm-hmm. Right. And while they're laughing, they're actually thinking because if you're laughing, you're still processing what you just heard. True. And so um, I like to try to add humor and I and I I try to be real. I try to add some aspect of my personal life, which I added the five different times that I've, I've stood on the stage and I kind of went backwards and start and talked about the different opportunities I've had to stand on the stage, starting with breaking the cycle of anger. And I remember telling Kim during that one, I said, I don't really know what am I going to have to, but it caused me to dig deep. Right. Right. And I would, I would say, cause you know, anger is not a sin, but rage is and girl, what you described <laughs> was not anger. <laughs> it was sheer rage. That was flat was, out rage. It was sheer and, and so what I did was I took a play on, you know, ICU talks about redeeming stories and so I called mine a, a redemption rewind and I went back through uh, some my talks and just kinda gave a nugget and and led into the evidence of things not seen because what I did was um, I, I talked about all of these things that I had gone through, you know, being angry and being selfish in my marriage. And, and I said, I'm on the edge of committing crimes. And I said, but there was the 16-year-old me that was looking at the evidence of the 52-year-old me. And so now I stand in the evidence of what I had not actually seen at 16. What do you think of that, Dan? Because you're a 16-year-old. I see you're a 16-year-old, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> That's given me too much credit, I think. Right, right, but, the 12-year-old, yeah. yeah. You know, to that evidence unseen, though. So you, you were saying kind of it's it's not just kind of a name it and claim it. It's not just looking ahead and, and trying to plot a path. Do I have that right? So it's, it's it, but it is a look forward. It is, is, is because correct? the evidence, and I, I believe I gave the example that night of a crime scene. Uh, when a crime is committed, the evidence is there. Mm-hmm. It just hasn't been seen. Okay. The evidence mm. is there. It hasn't mm. been discovered. And so when we understand that 
um, what God has planned and has laid out for our life, the evidence is there. We just have not, you know, manifested it at that time. And it is a form of hope. Yeah, it is a form. Right. It is a form of hope because I I did even talk about hope. I said mm-hmm. hope is a part of that mixture. And when you think about cement, because faith is a, is is the cement. But the hope is the seed that's that's mixed in that water that kind of builds that foundation because you can hope but don't do anything. That's right. right. That's right. You you can hope. Yeah, I, I think the majority of people in our audience have PTSD. Mm-hmm. It's just one of the most common diagnoses that's just prevalent in our audience is trauma. And so when you and there's there's a fact that if you have PTSD, you have past trauma, you're more likely to watch crime scene shows. Is that right? Yes. I did not know that. Isn't that interesting? Oh, my and God. So, what's my trauma? Because I uh, live on You crime. met me. You oh. met me. <laughs> been my guest. Because we didn't do it prior to pre-Kim. PK. 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 Did not, PK did not happen. But but really, just to, and I don't know if you just subconsciously knew that, but to put that out there to people, because people will watch a crime show, they'll get so into an entire series of figuring out who did it and have faith that they're going to get to the end and know and see what really mm-hmm. happened. But we won't do that in our personal lives knowing that God's there. Not not mm. at all. Not it, at all. Because I think that even when you when you think about, and I never thought about that analogy, now you're going to have to have, I'm going back and looking, did I have any trauma now that I'm watching these crime shows? But I think my thing is I am fascinated with crime because I'm fascinated with the mind mm-hmm. of the criminal. Criminal minds, Shamar the, Moore, my fiance. I, there we go. I, I, didn't, we go. I didn't mean to connect that. <laughs> you did. But, um, but I think that, you know, when you when you look at it, there's there's always there's closure to that. There's a resolve. And I think that's what it does for me. It's it's a resolve and you you think about the families that are impacted. So um evidence was really big because I wanted people to focus on, you know, evidence of what you don't see yet because it's there. You know, yes, yes. I, I gave the example of um four thousand four hundred and eight miles of faith when you travel from the US to Europe. Mm. And, you know, I talked about that you have to have faith in that because you don't you don't have control. So I, I said when you really have control, I was honest. You know, I'm like Kim, I don't try to be super spiritual. I said, you know, I can uh, I can tell you when I know for sure that I have faith. I have faith when I'm going under anesthesia, and I have faith when I'm flying, and I have faith when I'm in the water on a ship because you have no control. <laughs> you have no control. So, you know, I try to give analogies. That's so awesome. I love that. So. If someone is going through a bad time in their life right now, <clears throat> what should they be doing for the evidence unseen? Um, what what kind of, let's say that I was going through a bad time. Mm-hmm. What what should I be doing to kind of say, oh, yeah, just rely on it? And I think to help you out a little bit, I think you had said the redemption rewind, right? And that was, a, yeah, it, all my messages. And I, and I think that that means looking back to look forward. Is that a fair analogy? Well, it was because I was looking at, the talks that I had given and there was redemption in okay. those talks. And so I kind of, to start Tuesday night off was I, I rewound to those moments so I can bring the audience oh, yeah. forward. But what I would tell someone who was going through something at the present time, the first thing you have to do is know where you want to be, where you want to go. What is, what is the ultimate goal? And you have to focus on, so if you're someone who's, you know, dealing with some form of an illness, whether it's major or, you know, or not, you just say, well, I want to be well. Mm. I want to be well. So how do I get to that point? I focus on that. I see myself being healthy. I see myself, I see myself being um, successful. I see myself getting that promotion. And I, I held up signs. 
mm-hmm. you know, at the end, you know, was evidence of. And so whatever it is that you're trying to accomplish, focus on that. Okay. And you can't let that go. And you can't get caught up because there will be bad days. There'll be days that you just get down in the dumps. Allow yourself to do that. Like, mm-hmm. don't fight Absolutely. it. <laughs> don't fight it. Allow yourself to get and then understand, okay, I had my moment. Let's get up. Let's move forward. What do I do now? I think that's great. And and you're not saying that every ending is going to be a happy ending per se, but don't lose sight of maybe what you're trying to do and where you're trying to go. Is no, that it's, fair? it's not going to be a happy ending. But right. when, when we're in Christ and, it, and as long as we're aligned with God's purposes and what he has for us, then it is going to be the ending it's supposed to be. Uh, because we can't always say that God's. Right. Endings are happy endings. You know, think about right. the Israelites. They got out and then they got trapped and then they got out and then mm-hmm. they. So you're going to have mm-hmm. those moments. Yeah. And I say that I think every time uh, is that I love that about ICU talks is yes. that we don't always say oh, everything's going to be great mm-hmm. and whatnot. And I think your, your story was a lot of happy endings. And I think that's great, too. And, and that's important to stress, too. Like, look, I put my mind to being in a TED Talks. And that's a pretty big accomplishment. Oh, you it did is. it. Oh, yes. I did, too, everybody. I Kim, yeah. <laughs> Kim and I were sharing our... I, I did not. Kim and I were sharing our, our loving war stories about ICU Talks, but it yeah. was something we wanted to accomplish. Sure. And as we shared mm. what we had to go through during those seven months, it was grueling. Mm. It was. But I knew I wanted to stand on that red circle. I wanted to stand on that red circle. I wanted to see my name on that screen. And that was why I kept moving forward. Boom. Yeah, and so part of what she and I talked about, you know, being a TEDx Charlotte speaker is that, you know, one of my pastor, Naeem Fazlo, who's an amazing man. I hate saying that loud, but he is. And, <laughs> uh, you know, he was a speaker and was considered like the top dog speaker that year. And then, you know, encouraged me. And this is on, you really encouraged me because your thing that you shared Tuesday night as you talked was you photoshopped a picture of you on the stage. Absolutely. Right. And so yes. people always sort of congratulating you. So you say, hey, this is my truth. But here's the other piece of that. If it didn't happen, you're still soul Suzanne. Like there's enough authentic self. Exactly. That you're not dependent. Exactly. Your evidence will still be that you you were you being you. And I got up to do it. You know, some yes. people don't. You know, in your field, you're probably telling people every day, at least get up out of the bed. Right. And even if I didn't make it to the stage, the experience in itself would have encouraged me to continue to do it again. And so I think that's where we lose sight because when we don't see it, um, that you know, people say, well, it's not going to happen. Well, it just didn't happen that time. Right. And part of why it happened for us, honestly, Suzanne, is that we got people together in Charlotte who, who said they wanted to be on the stage, TEDx stage as well. We all met at my office. And we worked together. And we worked together on our application. And from that, like... Four people out of that group, out of eight, yeah. at least got to the next stage. Yeah. And you and I got to, were the two that got to the actual stage of that group. Three. Look, um, Lucretia didn't come to the group. Oh, she didn't come she, to the group. But she I wasn't in, she, she was in the um the, yeah. the Facebook group, but she didn't come right. to the. Right, right. So that's Dr. Lucretia Berry. She's exceptional. Yes. Yeah. So look at com if you want to know more about her. So, um, but we really, so whatever you're going through is my point to this to people. It's not about TEDx. It's about the fact that Suzanne and I were not shy about what we were going through. We we were public about it. We were public about what was happening to us, which mm-hmm. meant if we had been cut, the world would have known, and we were willing to take we that chance. We were willing chance. to take that chance. That, that is tough, honestly. It I'm, is. I'm completely the opposite. I kind of 
do yeah. this. But, but I mean, and then you have to have someone in your corner that's willing to push you because after our first session, Ooh. Kim Ooh. was Ooh, like, I, was I don't, I don't I know toast. if I could do this, and I'm like, sure you can. But you, you said what I needed to hear because they tore me up. One of the judges said I was so bored I couldn't stand it listening to you. Like they tore me up, and so Suzanne said, in Suzanne's way, "Look, Kim, you're talking like you're doing a sermon. Stop it." <laughs> Just talk. And I got it. It was simple. I got it. I didn't need to be put down and told that somebody was bored. I needed someone to tell exactly. me where I was and say, this is where you can go. And that's what your talk was about too tonight. And, 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 and I felt like people needed to hear your talk on shame because we yes. live in that. And so standing on that stage Tuesday night was a combination of every experience that I've had in a live ICU talk event or whether I've watched it on YouTube, and it's about the evidence. Because even when you think that you can't get through something, ICU Talks has shown you on the stage mm -hmm. that you can. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But it does take community. And if your community is two or three people, it's still community. It's the secrecy that lets the shame in, and we just were vulnerable. And you were vulnerable Tuesday night. And Suzanne said to me, with all your experience, all the places you've, you've talked and you're a published author mm -hmm. and all that, you just looked at me for a moment and said, I'm nervous. I said, good. That means Jesus is involved. Because yeah. it means you know you're about to walk on his stage. And Kim Honeycutt, because you, you know you have to come correct. Right. <laughs> Those of you who have been on Ice, you talk stage, you know how Kim can be. That's right. I said, That's but right. you know, but there's that, perf there's that excellence. It's not so much about perfection. Right. That's right. That's right. You know, it's, it's the excellence because what you have to understand about the ICU talk stage is that you have no idea who's in the audience mm -hmm. and not so much that you never know who's going to be watching the YouTube video. Right. So it's, it's critical that you die to self when you stand on that stage because you never know whose life is going to be impacted by the messages that come. That's why it's right. so important. And that's why the city needs to know. Yeah. Amen. The city needs to know about it. Agreed. Do you have some other questions? see some scribble over there. I, I do. I've been through a few of these, though, but because um, we're so good at getting to the root of things. Um, I did have a question, though. Sure. So I come from a kind of a weird background of growing up. I'm going to just put it that way, I think. So when I hear these stories of resilience and whatnot, I sometimes wonder what people's upbringings were like. So what was your, if you if you care to comment, um, and I think you had said that your your mom was um, one that would come out and, and get you. No oh, matter, absolutely. Right? So, I, you know, this is almost like a Kim Honeycutt story. Like I did something <laughs> and when the police pulled me over, they said, you know, we're going to let you go because we've already met your mom. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> See, but they let me go because my dad's a lawyer. <laughs> They were scared of your they mom. They were scared That's of my powerful. mom. They always kept me. <laughs> That's powerful. But I grew up in, you know, I grew up in a Christian home. My dad uh, was a pastor. My mom was a stay-at-home mom. And I grew up in a home of love. I, you know, I didn't, you know, I was always encouraged to do my best. My mother always said, you know, no matter what you choose to do in life, whatever you choose to be, be the best at it. And um, I, I always look back on that because I think about um, the hope that mm -hmm. was given to me even as a young child. And, you know, even at 52, mm -hmm. you know, I can still pull some nuggets from, you know, certain things that I that I experienced growing up. You know, was everything 100% perfect? I don't think we, no one can say that they have that because as a child, you always think that your life could have been better because you look right. at someone else's and you're like, right. I want what that family has. I mean, I know for me, I just wanted to drink Kool-Aid 
My mother didn't let us drink Kool-Aid. I have Kool-Aid till I was 16. But um but I think that but I think you you pull from that spark. You know, when you think about what it takes for an ignition to start. You know, it takes a spark and it takes this connection. If you can connect to the spark and stay in it, then you can ignite whatever it is that you you want to do in life. So it starts with a small spark. Yeah. Right. And and I think that I was going to take that into the redemption rewind too because I re-listened to your speech very good. Um, not and we don't call them speeches. Call them talks. Talk. The talk. <laughs> so, but I listened to your talk, and um, and I was just thinking if if you do a redemption rewind and you're thinking, boy, things have kind of been a little bit dark in my life. Even and I'm not saying this about me, but I am saying that if that is the case. Um, I wonder if that has a little bit of an impact on things. Cause I think your redemption rewind was I've made it through this before I've seen mm-hmm. God's grace. And if someone feels like maybe I didn't see so much, it, the redemption rewind might be a little bit harder too. But it's all about, because in all of our lives, whether you've had a, a mile of resi- resilience or a hundred miles of resilience, there's always something in our life that we can draw from. I mean, I don't care what it is. You have to be searching for it. Mm. You know, you have to you have to dig within. And if you can find that piece to hold on to, because you have to think about it in the sense of this is my life. If 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 I'm hanging on a cliff, do I just say, "Oh, oh my god, you know, my mom was so horrible. I'm just going to let go." No, you're if you find a branch on a mountain, and that's the only way that you can save your life. You're going to hold on to that branch. So you have to find something within your life and in your situation that you're going to hold on to, um, whether it's the strength of, a, of an elder or the possibility of what's to come. You have to find that one thing to hold on to. So it's, you don't measure yourself with someone else's situation. You find what's within you and you move forward. Yeah, but Suzanne, I, if I remember your story correctly, like you had a lot you were hanging on to. Like there was a lot of roots and foundation that were there. And then something happened and you were like, I don't want any of these roots. And you felt like you were on your own for a while. You mean in my story Tuesday night or well, I don't, from you didn't, previous well, It was well, one of my previous stories. Previous stories. My, I think my dear younger me because yes. I started talking about dear younger me and one of my coworkers was there sitting next to just another ICU um, participant and she leaned over and she said, oh my God, I need to go find that dear younger me. And my friend said, yes. But there there were times, because I know when my, you know, I as a kid, you don't like church. You hate church because it's just something that you have to do. You have to get up and, and it meant you had to be good. And I wanted to be rebellious. And I think my husband would agree I still like to be rebellious. It's just something about <laughs> it. Um, but there was a time when I just, I, I wanted to give up because I just wanted to hang out with the bad kids. I wanted to hang out with the folks that were, you know, just kind of doing crazy things because I, you you feel something in that. And so, but at some point I just had to say, you know what, whoa, where would I, if I do this, what is it going to result down the line? And so when I look at all of my stories, I mean, you know, so many, gosh, five times, I don't, I yeah. told five stories. Yeah. <laughs> Does she get a pin or anything? For... It's a green jacket. A I get a green, green master's jacket. jacket. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. what we're going with. I get a green master's yeah. jacket. But there, there was an issue about your dad. Oh, my dad, my biological, my biological father. Yes. So in breaking the cycle of anger, um, I was talking about my biological dad. And um, when I met him, I found out that he had uh, committed a murder and it was as a result of anger. And uh, I, you know, I I was looking at that and I was just like, whoa, I don't want this. You know, when I, I, when I heard that story, because I couldn't figure out why I was acting the way that I was acting, because when I looked in my home that I grew up in, um, my mom 
you know, my mom and dad, I never heard them argue. Well, I heard them argue one time. They didn't know I heard them argue. That's just how it was. Wow. Um, but my dad never, you know, talked to my mom any kind of way, called her out a name. <clears throat> but yet I always had these violent tempers. I was throwing things, trashing my room. I'm like, where did this come from? Like, I don't see this. So you have to kind of have that, uh, be able to have that re- self-reflection to say, wait a minute, you're doing this, but you don't see this. Where does it come from? And when I met my my birth father, I was like, ah, uh-huh. yeah, light yeah. bulb moment. All right. And see, this is what I love about Suzanne, and I know her, so I know she's not in denial about her birth father, that she's worked through this, that we've been hanging out for, I don't know, about 30 minutes talking, and I have to, like, probe her twice to talk about her dad because it's not pressing. It's so resolved. Yeah. You're like, oh, yeah, that guy that went yeah. to prison time for murder? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that guy. Yeah. yeah, and you're like, but no, I had a dad, and I got an amazing good-looking husband sitting behind me that's dressed like Kim is today. <laughs> they adorable. Right, like, I mean, seriously, that's somebody who's worked through the process, which could not have been easy. It wasn't easy because when I first found out I was adopted, I wasn't, I was 26 years old when I found out I was wow. adopted. Wow. So I didn't even know. So, of course, you go through this, well, what happened? Well, did I ever pass by the person or mm-hmm. this? Mm-hmm. But once I, and I had a moment, it took a whole year for me to get it figured out. And I heard God say to me, yes, you were adopted. You didn't have the typical family like everyone else had where you were birthed into the family, blah, blah, blah. But somebody wanted you. And those people Mm -hmm. that wanted you took care of you and you didn't have any problems or anything going on. So God basically said, get over it. Yes, God does say, get over it. (laughs) He said, get over it. And I did. Yeah, that's awesome. I did. That's great. Yeah, because it's also harder and I think there's some testimony in this room about this, of being in a birth family and not wanting to be wanted. Wow. You know? Yes. Like, that's a different Mm. level of... Do tell. Yeah, you tell. you got a story, brother. (laughs) (laughs) We both have a story about not wanting to be wanted. There's a... That's interesting. It's a relational trauma. It's called called relational trauma. It's a deep trauma when the actual person that brought you into the world doesn't want you. And um, and they're in your face every day versus the person who's adopted who's still got to deal with that and saying... Somebody didn't want me. And I did have to deal with that because less than two years after that, my birth mother had another child and she kept that child and she was married to the, and and I understood the the situation because my my father was 17 going to the military. My mom was 15 Mm. and her parents, they already had five or six siblings in the home and they couldn't afford to feed another mouth. They both wanted me. I know many people, women who have placed their child for adoption, and they did want that child. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was just the best thing best for thing. the child, and they weren't in a situation doing anything, and they didn't. They always wanted that child. They still think daily about mm-hmm. that child. And that's what she told me when we when we connected. She said, I thought about you every birthday. You know, I, we wanted you. And even when they wanted to find me, when, when our state's adoption laws were became open, she said to my, my birth father, she said, well, unless we have something to offer her, we're not going to disrupt wow. her life. Wow, that's a powerful woman. Yeah, that's a powerful statement. Yeah, no, that's really, really good. Is there anything that you, after you finished up to tonight, you're like, oh, I wish I had time to expand on this? Is there anything you would want to? Well, to I add forgot. To it? I did have a visual. I had something. I had a model. I wanted a plane, but I couldn't find one. And it was going to be a model car, and it was so small. And I was going to put it in my hand, and I wanted to kind of give people a visual that, you know, this is us in God's hands. And we have to know that his hands are big enough to carry us through anything. We just have to stay the course. We just have to stay the course. But I felt like I had gotten 
everything out. I think I had everybody yeah. kind of mesmerized when I did the quote and they found out it was Suge Knight. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> well, you have to understand, there were some people there that have never heard of Suge Knight. They did. They know. They was like, so, who is this, this guy? Was, what is a honey? What's a Suge Knight? <laughs> what is, is that a drink? Is that a cocktail? It follows the day. But to hear yes. him say that, but when I heard him say that, I jumped off the couch and I said, <laughs> We follow Jesus every day. We know his, his, his word and we, you know, and here's this man that he's doing his own thing and right. doesn't even think about it in the sense that we think about it, but he knows that God has him. Right. He knew, he knows that God has him and, and we're stressed out and he was not. And right. Like, That's right. Wow. That's right. Yeah. Well, I, I think you excel at that of no matter what's happened in your life. Mm-hmm. Like that you process it and you won't be victimized by it. Absolutely. And part of that is, you know, the scripture you shared, you're not banking on the outcome. Mm-mm. Your evidence is that you've gotten through everything resiliently through the Lord. Absolutely. That's your evidence. And so it's not about praying, oh, God, let this happen. It's like, let me accept whatever. Whatever's exactly. Next. Whatever's exactly. next. Because right? we're trying to tell God how we want it to, to happen. Right. And I've learned, and this is not something that's been a thousand years, maybe like, past few months i want to align with your purpose yes and if we're aligned then mm-hmm. it has to happen right has to happen agreed yeah. yeah it's a different prayer when you're praying like god show me what you want for me and show me who you say i am as i go through it absolutely that's a whole different prayer than again a child's prayer is i you know i want a pony and i want but if we don't expand through that, we still ask for a pony. We just do it in a little adult way. In an adult way, absolutely. We ask for a horse. We want a horse Not a that's going to make money at the Kentucky Derby because we're into gambling. Or maybe you ask for <laughs> 345 horses. Right. Under the hood. A horse power. Under the hood, right. That's absolutely. That's right. <laughs> but yeah, it was so a great So what's next for you when it comes, I don't know if you want to mention some of your books, where that people can get your books. Okay. Uh, I do have uh, a couple of books. Like my first book that I've written, it, it's called um, oh my God. Well, that wasn't my that first. No, that's not my first. Well, don't give me that mean look, Johnny. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I I, I just I, I wrote a, my first book. I just kind of you know wrote it about it's about hard knocks and a, a tough look in the mirror, like how you how you have to look in the mirror at yourself. And you, you know, you just think, and God, why the title escapes me because I really didn't do much with it. But um, yeah. my second book is my favorite, The Life Diet 365, Life, Liberty, in the Pursuit of You. And it's it's a book where I talk about myself and talk about my experiences mm-hmm. and how I lost myself and how self-care is important. Absolutely. Self-care is so important. And I've jumped on that bandwagon of self-care. Um, and I actually have a book called Sunflower Poetry as well. And so, yeah, so I did a poetry book. But like I said, I just What does it say? Like, get off your butt. Do what I say. <laughs> roses are red. You ain't got no roses. No. I hope you, I hope you is dead. Like, what, is, what would be poetry it's by Cezanne? haku. She did haku. Haku, yes. yes. I love that word, haku. Me too. That's why I said it. No, it Let's was, say it one more time. Haku. 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 Yeah, that's good stuff. No, but I just did some poetry. And, you know, I, and one of the poems in there is a, a date with God. And I did it while I was on the beach. And I was talking about uh, from the different aspect of footprints. Because when you look at a footprint in the sand, you never know who that was. That could have been a person that was happy, someone who just got engaged, someone who was wanting to commit suicide. Right. 
But a footprint in the sand at the beach represents so much. Right. And I was telling this, I kind of did something along the lines of helping people to understand that when you step into another footprint, you have no idea who that person was or what they were going through. Yeah, so that's good. That was my moment where I got away. Yeah. I had to I had to get away from church people for a minute, and yes, I took a weekend yes. and went to the beach. Yeah, understandable. <laughs> Very understandable. <laughs> All right, so if, if someone wanted to get the Life Diet 365 book. It's available on Amazon.com. Excellent, excellent, excellent. So anything next for you? Is there another speaking appearance coming up for you? Anything going on? I don't have anything going on right now. Uh, as I spoke to you earlier, I was, I'm working on a podcast because I'm dealing with talking about relationships. So I am going right. to write a book about um, marriage. It's called Marriage is Not 50-50. That's right. That's right. It's 100 100. It's 100 100. And that's most right. people don't know oh. that. And that's a light bulb moment right. for some folks. And then so. your, your relationship is 100 100 100 because I'm involving me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How do you involve yourself in everything? She does. That's this what is, happens just when you're neglected that. as a child. This <laughs> you, is, this is your recovery. This is recovery from that. Gotcha. <laughs> so, so when we finally, when we, when, when, note. when Kim right. does get married, how many grooms are going to be standing up there? <laughs> you know, how many people are going to give her away? Oh, God, the whole world. God. They're like, take her, please shut her up. <laughs> So Get yes. out of my head. That's yeah, right. but that's what I'm working. But I'm taking it slow because when you you're I'm I don't consider myself an expert in relationships, but I just use my own marriage and my own relationship. Yeah, that's because good. people like transparency. They like being in your business. Yes, yes. But people are are drawn to you because you're doing what they can't do. Mm-hmm. Because this is why I love my friendship with you is that there will never be a dishonest moment. Nope. You'll never, if I text you at 10 on one, you'd be like, girl, I told you don't text me after 10 o'clock. She know that. Yes. <laughs> and you know I'll do the same with you. I and just ignore it. That's the best kind of relationship because there's no. Be transparent. There's no su- silent suffering. It becomes right. dishonest at some point and it gets very confusing. And so people are very drawn to you who are wanting to be where you are. They're not quite there yet. Mm-hmm. And you're a great inspiration for that. Well, thank you. So I highly suggest people go to ICU Talks, YouTube channel. Suzanne Stroud speaks. Any, speaks. Suzanne Stroud speaks is my YouTube channel. Is her uh, YouTube channel? But you also can go to ICU Talks YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. Yes. And see, she's which she's, I found out I wasn't subscribed to. I was watching uh, the videos, oh. but I wasn't subscribed. And I oh, went. Somebody yeah. wants to go to hell. Oh, I, I'm subscribed <laughs> today. I'm, I, subscri- I subscribed yesterday when I realized right. I wasn't subscribed. Right. I thought I was like one of the Woo-hoo. first subscribers. Are you on yes, Instagram with us? Yeah, I think I am. Okay. Yeah. All right. Making we'll, we'll sure you're going to heaven. That. We're going to double check. <laughs> Get the FBI on this. So anyway, we appreciate y'all listening. Thank you. We're Thank so you so much. glad Thank to you. have you with us and that you brought your amazing husband with you as well. <laughs> and that I suggest to anybody, if you struggle to just be a straight shooter, just to speak your truth and that we are called to freedom, we're called to have a voice, if that's a hard time for you, find anything by Suzanne, Suzanne, whether it's her book, because her podcast is going to come out soon, Mm -hmm. or it's a YouTube channel that's got one of her talks on there, um, you will be blessed. So thank you, Suzanne. Thank you. Thank you, Johnny, for coming. Dan, as always, thank you, brother, for being a part of this. Thanks for letting me be a part of it. We'll see you all next time. Thanks again for joining us. ICU Talks is a mental health ministry founded on God, education, validation, and community. ICU Talks hosts live events that occur on the third Tuesday of every month, allowing people to come forward to share their authentic stories involving mental health in front of a live audience. 
Please subscribe to our podcast and we'd be very pleased if you would leave us positive and uplifting comments. Keep in mind, all original ICU Talk sessions are available on YouTube. And for more information, please go to icutalks.org. It's been a pleasure having you join us today.